when one of the world's biggest movie stars mysteriously drowns on a holiday weekend on her yacht with her husband and co-star aboard the ship, people are going to talk. And when the case is reopened nearly two decades later because a witness changes his story, well, then, as they say in Hollywood, the plot thickens. This is the mysterious death of Natalie Wood. I'm your host, Ansley, and welcome to Hollywoodland Unsolved. Listener discretion is advised. With big brown eyes and an infectious smile, Natalie Wood was one of the brightest child stars of the 1940s and gracefully made the transition to sultry superstar as she grew into a leading lady. But on Thanksgiving weekend of 1981, all of that came to an untimely end when Natalie's lifeless body was found floating face down in the Pacific Ocean just off the coast of Catalina Island. She was just 43 years old. So what happened to Natalie Wood? This case has stumped and infuriated investigators and Woods fans alike for years, and it wasn't until nearly two decades after her death that the captain of the ship, Dennis Deverne, came forward and changed his story, stating that he, in fact, lied on the night of Woods' death. So what happened that night? And what does this change of story mean for the mysterious death of Natalie Wood? Well, let's start at the beginning. Natalie Wood was born Natalia Nikolaevna Zatarenko on July 20, 1938, in San Francisco, California, to Russian immigrant parents. Her and her sister Lana both showed excitement for the arts and loved performing for anyone who would watch. Their mother took notice and made it her mission to turn the girls into stars. Natalie began acting at the age of four, and by the time she was 25, she had received three Academy Award nominations. She starred in movies such as West Side Story, Rebel Without a Cause, and Gypsy, among others. But her first role was a bit part in a 15-second scene in the 1943 film Happy Land. And while her role was brief, she made an impression on the director, who remained in contact with Wood's family for years after. When another role that Natalie was right for came up, he contacted the Wood's family and asked Natalie to test for the role. According to reports, her mother was so excited that she just packed the whole family up and moved them to L.A. Natalie's breakout role was a co-starring role on the mega-hit Miracle on 34th Street, which she worked on when she was just eight years old. According to reports, Natalie's parents had conflicting views on their daughter's career, with her mother wanting to make Natalie a star and her father opposing the idea. Ultimately, her mother won, and Natalie's young career continued to blossom. Natalie went on to star in a number of high-profile projects and was nominated for a number of awards, from Golden Globes to Oscars, and became one of the most beloved actresses in the world. While working on a film, Natalie crossed paths with Robert J. Wagner, also known as RJ. And according to reports, she developed quite a crush on this dashing young star almost immediately. Robert John Wagner Jr. was born in Detroit, Michigan on February 10, 1930. He gained notoriety after starring in a number of hit television shows such as It Takes a Thief, Switch, and Heart to Heart. While Wagner did have a number of film roles, he garnered his reputation as more of a television actor. On her 18th birthday, 
RJ and Natalie went on a date that was arranged by the studio. A little over a year later, on December 28, 1957, a 27-year-old RJ Wagner married a 19-year-old Natalie Wood. The young duo became the it couple in Hollywood, being photographed regularly at events, red carpets, and at dinners with other Hollywood bigwigs. In 1961, Wood starred opposite Warren Beatty in Splendor in the Grass and then in the mega-hit West Side Story. Both garnered Wood incredible attention and accolades, but her marriage to Wagner was on the rocks. Wood was under immense pressure to perform in both her personal life and her professional life, and Wood and Wagner's relationship started to head south. The pair allegedly began bickering, and according to reports, Wagner was jealous of Wood's stardom. He would often refer to her as the movie star and to himself as just the lowly TV actor. Nowadays, working in TV is just as respected, hello Meryl Streep in Big Little Lies, as working in movies, or even better in my opinion. But back then, television was seen as secondary to movies, and in Wagner's eyes, Natalie's star was bigger than his. I'm no psychologist, but that to me sounds like an unhealthy relationship. The pair separated in June of 1961, and the divorce was finalized in 1962. Shortly after, Natalie met British film producer and writer Richard Gregson. The pair married on May 30, 1969, and the next year, Natalie gave birth to their daughter, Natasha. But their marriage was also short-lived, and the pair split in early 1972. That same year, Natalie rekindled her relationship with the love of her life, Robert Wagner, who was also known as RJ. The pair wed for a second time on July 16, 1972, and the pair had their first child together, Courtney, in 1974. By all accounts, Wagner and Wood were the real deal, the kind of couple that would fight through anything to get back to each other. The pair stayed together until her death in 1981. But their relationship was anything but perfect. Now, I know only the two people in a relationship really know what's going on, but from all outside accounts, Wagner and Wood fought frequently. Natalie had always been afraid of the water and didn't know how to swim. And that fear might have been instilled in her by her mother, who shared the same deep-rooted fear. In the early morning hours on November 29, 1981, Natalie Wood's body was found floating in the Pacific Ocean off of the coast of Catalina Island, where her yacht had been docked for a weekend away with her husband and current film co-star, Christopher Walken. The day before her death, the trio spent the day drinking and partying and having a good time, but that didn't stop Wood and Wagner from getting into it. It got to be so bad that Wood asked the ship's captain, Dennis Deverne, to take her and Walken to shore so they could sleep in a hotel and allegedly give Wagner time to cool off. According to reports, they slept in separate rooms, and the next day, Wood and Watkins returned to the ship, and everyone tried to brush off the scuffle from the night before. All seemed good, until later that night when the partying dragged on, and Wagner told investigators that a bottle of wine had broken because of the motion of the boat. Wagner later changed his story and admitted that he smashed the bottle of wine on the table in front of Watkins and Wood because he was a very jealous man. Wagner had allegedly broken the bottle in a fit of anger over his assumption that Wood was in a relationship with her co-star, Christopher Walken. He said that the pair just seemed too close and too comfortable together. 
Wood and Watkins tried to defend themselves, stating that they weren't having an affair, but allegedly Wagner wasn't hearing it. According to reports, Watkins excused himself to his quarters and let the couple work it out. He never saw Natalie alive again. Now, that's one lie that Wagner told the police. So if there's one, then there's probably more. After the bottle was smashed on the table, allegedly Watkins goes to his room, where he stays until he learns of Natalie's disappearance. Convenient, right? Deverne states that he heard the couple fighting, and according to reports, he says that the fight sounded like a physical one, and it went on for quite a bit, and then it was silent. Allegedly, Deverne went up to the deck to see what was going on, and he saw Wagner standing there, but Natalie was gone. Now, I recognize that this is all he said, she said, but in 2011, the case was reopened. Quote, the case was reopened in November 2011 after Deverne publicly stated that he'd lied to police during the initial investigation and that Wood and Wagner had an argument that evening. He alleged that Wood had been flirting with Walken and that Wagner was jealous and enraged and that Wagner had prevented Deverne from turning on the searchlights and notifying authorities after her disappearance. Deverne alleged that Wagner was responsible for her death, end quote. The original story was that Wagner and Wood had a fight and that Wood got mad and went out by herself in the dinghy. This is weird for a number of reasons. One, the night before, when Wood wanted to go to shore, she'd asked Deverne to take her. Two, she didn't know how to operate the dinghy. Three, all she was wearing when she was found was a thin nightgown on the cold November night. Now this case seems like it should be pretty simple. There were four people on the boat, Wagner, Wood, walk-in, and the captain of the ship, Dennis Deverne. With one of them being dead, that leaves three suspects. So who did it? An investigative report on her autopsy reveals this. One, six hours after her death, her body was found floating face down a mile away from her yacht. Two, she had multiple bruises on her face, arms, and wrist. Three, her legs were covered in bruises and they went down her right knee and left ankle. Four, Overall, 28 bruises were counted on the front of her body and 11 were counted on the back. Allegedly, they were all caused by one fall, all 39 of these bruises, allegedly. Here's the kicker. The coroner found that Natalie's bladder was essentially full at the time of her death. Now, according to reports, if she had fallen into the water and didn't know how to swim, then her fight or flight response would have kicked in and her bladder would have released due to the state of shock that her body would have endured. But if she was knocked unconscious before entering the water, her body would not have had the same response. I am totally speculating here, but it appears that she was roughed up a bit and knocked unconscious before being thrown in the water. This case garnered so much attention over the years because of the high-profile nature of those involved. Countless theories and investigative reports have been done on the case, and so why did it take so long for us to start putting together the actual story? Well, my guess is because that everyone that night lied, or at least didn't know the full story. So now that Wagner's story has been disproven, or at least some holes have been poked in it, we can safely start to question Wagner seriously, and hopefully get some answers. With all three of the men who were there that night still alive and the case reopened, it's finally time to get some answers on what really happened to Natalie Wood. So what caused investigators to reopen the case? The investigation was reopened in 2011 after the captain of the Splendor, Dennis Deverne, came forward and stated that his original testimony was untrue. 
Robert Wagner was named as an official suspect in the death of Natalie Wood in 2018. In 1981, Wood's death was deemed to be caused by drowning. But in 2012, the Los Angeles County Coroner Chief changed her death certificate from cause of death to drowning to cause of death, drowning, and other undetermined factors. So why would Deverne lie in the first place? Well, according to reports, it was because Wagner promised him fame and fortune. Literally. Deverne admitted that he wanted a career in Hollywood, and Wagner allegedly promised him one if he went along with Wagner's story. Now, all of this is based on Deverne's statements, and if they're true, it doesn't look like Wagner held up his end of the bargain. While Deverne had a few roles here and there, they don't amount to much other than a blip on the Hollywood radar. This case is so deep and so fascinating I wanted to continue the conversation with old Hollywood film buff and film critic Kristen Lopez to go deeper on what she thinks really happened that night. I am joined by Kristen Lopez, freelance film critic and essayist who has written on Forbes and The Hollywood Reporter, just to name a few. She is the host of the Ticklish Business podcast, as well as Citizen Dame. And I met her about two years ago when she so graciously had me on her show, so I thought it was only fitting to have Kristen as the first guest on Hollywoodland Unsolved to discuss one of her favorite Hollywood true crime stories. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. I am honored to, to be on here. We've been talking about doing this for a while, so I'm glad it finally worked out. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry it took um, years, but that's how we do it here in Hollywoodland. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Everything has, you know, delayed gratification. It takes 20 years and then it finally happens and it's amazing. (laughs) So when you and I spoke about the case, Robert Wagner wasn't a person of interest yet, was he? No, he was not. I think they they had dabbled with it, but it was finally like confirmed. I want to say maybe two or three months after we, we talked. Do you remember where you were when you heard the news? What you thought of it? Were you like, finally? Uh, I want to. I want to say I was at home and I do another podcast. We have like a little Slack group, and somebody had posted it, and it really went under the radar. I know they did a big press conference for it when it happened, and I, I was really surprised because all it was was a press conference that said we haven't ruled him out, but at this point. We don't have any new witnesses. We don't have anybody else. So short of somebody on the beach coming forward to say that they saw something, it just felt very formulaic. I was kind of like they were almost baiting somebody to say something at that point. You know, we're just, we're going to throw it out there. We're going to make a crazy assertion and hopefully it will yield something. And it never did. So I'm still very, very confused by why they announced it in the first place. Yeah, because it's almost been a year, right? It was October of 2018? Yeah. So Robert Wagner is old, and we don't have a lot of time with him left on Earth. So I'm wondering if they have enough that if somebody were to confirm one or two things, they would be able to officially charge him. And that's why they came forward and basically said, he is a person of interest and we're asking for information because those ear witnesses, the two different boats, ear witnesses came forward after that and said, we did speak to police, but this is what we heard. Please bring this back up. Do you remember that happening? I I remember that there had been talk about other witnesses and I didn't know if there had been anything that had been yielded from that. I don't For think me, there was. It almost, 
I, for me, it almost plays like, I mean, the deathbed confession, I think, is always what you want, you know, because then you can say, you know, we don't actually have to prosecute anybody, but we know who did it. Um, and at the same time, I don't think we'll ever get that. You know, Robert Wagner has always been very, very staunch in the fact that he did not do anything. And according to, you know, legalese, he, he's not been charged with a crime. Um, but at the same time, I think that what they're hoping for is that somebody will be compelled to want to say something, or at least it makes the, you know, LAPD look good, you know, that they're investigating all angles because there's always been talk that they're not going to touch anybody of significance, especially Robert Wagner, you know, because he's a celebrity. I feel like this is just due diligence at this point to say, well, we never really ruled him out and we're going to make it official, but there's still no new evidence. There's still no movement on the case. So it just almost feels like paperwork at this point. You just officially say he's a person of interest. You can't say we didn't do our job. I'm very cynical when it comes to this case. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's that's valid because if you look at who was there that night, you have Wagner, Watkins, <clears throat> Wood. Why does everybody's last name start with a W? And um, what's his name? Dennis Davern, yes, the captain of yes, the boat. Yes, And so if anybody was going to come forward, it probably wasn't going to be Christopher Watkins because that would be damning for a career. It wouldn't be Robert Wagner admitting that he did something that he's denied for decades. And so Dennis coming forward and saying, hey, I lied, makes him not look as credible, even if what he's saying is true now. Yeah. Every, everybody's effectively shot themselves in the foot at oh, this absolutely. point, both yeah. on, on the police side and on the suspect side. Walken has always been very forthcoming from what I have been told. You know, he, he has done numerous interviews. Every time they've wanted to interview him, he's agreed to it. From what I have been told, Robert Wagner at this point will not do interviews mm-hmm. with, with the police. He has stopped talking to them. Um, and, and then you have Dennis Davern, who at the time says, he didn't hear anything. He didn't see anything. Everything looked copacetic. And only now is he saying, well, I lied because I got a, a payday and I had dreams that I was going to be a star. And so he already has a financial motive to want to say something. And then you also have Lana Wood, who is Natalie Wood's sister, mm-hmm. who has always gone back and forth, depending on, you know, whether it's who's paying or whether what she feels that day, yes. uh, saying, and no, Robert Wagner definitely couldn't have done this. And yes, he definitely did it. I think now she's of the school that he definitely did it. But a couple couple years ago, she was saying he didn't do it. Yeah, that podcast, The Fatal Voyage, was yes. basically her saying that Wagner did it, that there was no other way to look at it, that she would never take the dinghy out. She couldn't swim. She was wearing a nightgown. He beat her and pushed her over and let the dinghy go to make it look like he didn't do it. And I just don't think anything is that black and white. No, no. I've, I've always assumed my theory, because at this point it's all, it's all theories. Yep. Um, I've always been of the school that it was an accident that was cleaned up. So, so for me, my theory is, is that there, we know there was an argument. We know that they were prone to having arguments that tended to get a little physical they're both drunk. There's allegations that they were both high on something. Uh, and I 
my my posit uh, or I posit that there was a physical altercation. They ended up going out on deck, and that she just decided to maybe drunkenly say, "I'm going to leave." And through a series of events, uh, either she slipped or or he, you know, shoved her and she fell. But I do firmly believe that he did know that she was not on that boat and that he did not go to look for her, um, mostly because maybe out of, you know, this desire to teach her a lesson or because he just wasn't really interested. Um, but I do believe that he knew when he was asked, you know, do you know where she is, that he did know where she was, that either she had left or that he knew she had fallen and he just assumed that everything would right itself. So why do you think he lied? I mean, I think when it, it's very similar to... If you look at Hollywood and boats, Hollywood never had a good uh, good uh, experience on a boat. You know, <laughs> when you have two a bunch of actors that have really good careers, and you're on a boat and you're drinking, you're maybe doing illicit drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you definitely don't want that to taint your image. And I don't. I also think that Robert Wagner got a lot of you know shoulders to cry on, a lot of goodwill for being the staunch widower who had lost the love of his life. I mean, they've always positioned their relationship as being this great love um, that, that the two of them had attempted had reconciled and were going to have this fairy tale relationship. And I think that if it were to be discovered that he had had a hand, either directly or indirectly, it would shatter that image. And I think Wagner's really made a career out of being this connection to Natalie Wood. He's published several books on his life and their relationship. He's, you know, a great friend to classic film festival communities. On a lot of that is not only built on his own career, but in being her husband. So I feel like if, you know, if he were to be associated as this murderer or even, you know, involuntary manslaughter, accidental, it would shatter that illusion. I mean, it would, it would ruin everything that he has built his career on over the last several decades. Well, isn't that a little bit ironic because he hated on her for being the movie star while he was the lowly TV star? And then after she died, his career was puffed back up because he was her husband? Exactly. It's very ironic. I think it, it proves that, you know, with Hollywood, one star falls and another rises, and that's how it always is. I mean, I think you see the same thing in, in a similar, somewhat similar vein with, with Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate. I mean, the fact that he definitely got so much goodwill and, and love and respect after her death, even though he had cultivated a career. But I mean, Roman Polanski will always be the, the grieving husband. Uh, same with Robert Wagner. So I feel like there's, there's definitely this irony in the sense that he, I won't say profited because there's not financial recompense in her, her demise, but, you know, status-wise, he's definitely benefited from, from being her, her, you know, great love. Right. But there was a financial thing for Dennis. Is that why That's you, true. Is That's that why very true. you think that... Ooh, I just hit the mic. So sorry, everybody. Um, do you think that that's why Dennis went along with it was because of the money? Well, according to him, it was, you know, that he, that he, he claims that there's been some thoughtiness with his story. I think he, he said this on Dr. Phil last year when he was, when the podcast came out mm-hmm. is that he was given X amount of dollars. I want to say it was $10,000, but I'm not 
100% sure, and that Robert Wagner had promised him a film career. And he did do, I want to say, a couple guest spots on like Heart to Heart and, and stuff like that. Um, and then he later came out and said, well, he was also threatened with violence that if he had ever come forward, that, that he would be killed. Um, and, and I don't necessarily think, unfortunately, that it had to come to that. I think that, you know, he, he was definitely saw an opportunity and, you know, we've seen a lot of Hollywood cover-ups throughout history and money can, and, and it's not just money, but the promise of a career mm-hmm. in Hollywood. I mean, I definitely think that that would have been an enticement, especially if, you know, he says now that it was like cold-blooded murder. But, you know, at the time, if you're being told by somebody it was an accident, I didn't do it. You know, you might you might be more inclined to go along with it than if somebody was like saying, yeah, I outright killed her. And also I'm offering you a career and a lot of money. Right. I wonder if there's more to what you're saying of this being sensationalized over the years of Dennis not really having a career and why the why now factor of we're running out of money, we're running out of steam, Wagner's getting older, I'm not going to be able to profit from this for much longer, so I'm going to come either forward and be truthful or I'm going to come forward and I'm going to keep this in the public eye so I can keep my value. Because I do think it's interesting that they reopened the case in 2011, that her cause of death was changed in 2012, and then six years Mm -hmm. later that Wagner was named a person of interest. And so these six years, what's going on in LAPD, like you said, is it just a lot of paperwork and showing face? Or is there actually pressure from Lana and Dennis for an altruistic reason or for a, we are losing steam and this is what our life is built on? Because how many children of murder victims or siblings of murder victims does their life become about their family member being murdered? And that's, you know, I don't know how much you know about Krista Helm, but her daughter is literally, her whole life is about her mom's murder. And she wrote a book and she goes on shows and she does whatever. And I'm wondering if that's the why now that you were saying there's not necessarily any more evidence that it it could be something as, you know, sensationalized as we live in Hollywood and we need to stay in the spotlight. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's Natalie Wood's case is one of the great questionable, I won't say unsolved because I think that for a lot of people it is solved, you know, it was just an accident she drowned but it is one of those stories in out in hollywood especially like you know biggie and tupac right. you know or maryland that we don't have enough conclusive proof so it will always be open it will always be a jar and i think the fact too that natalie wood is one of the more beloved stars in hollywood history you know west side story is such a ubiquitous film and it will be very interesting to see uh when Spielberg releases the the remake next year if anything will come of you know these discussions if the case will will be brought back forward because of Natalie Wood's association with the original film um and I think a lot of people feel that Natalie Wood was one of the nicer celebrities you know it's, it's always hard when a celebrity dies who you know wasn't you know positioned as as being bad Natalie Wood was always presented as the the nice girl and and from what you know her daughters have said about her and what Robert Wagner said she was a nice person and I think that that really connects with people that her life was cut so short and that there are still questions that there's 
there's always been this lack of transparency, whether it's from the people involved who walk in and Wagner have never really spoken. They've never done 2020 or Dr. Phil and, you know, laid out their side of the story. It's always yeah. been very hush-hush. Um, and even the, the LAPD have been very cagey. It's only until recently that they've been open to talking about this. Um, and so I think that that has to do, do with it a lot. And I also wonder, and I could be completely off base, but I was thinking about this the other day, how much our current culture regarding violence against women and the Me Too movement plays into this. Because if, if we're going off of our logic and based on what the autopsy reports have shown, then Natalie Wood was a battered woman who in her final moments through reasons met some sort of violence you know, violence in her life. And I think that with us looking at women, you know, and, and their stories and speaking their truth and, and the history of Hollywood's exploitation, I think that also plays into this desire to definitively solve the case. Was she a woman who was silenced or, or not? I think that's also something people want to know. Yeah. And that takes me to my next question. The bruises. Looking at the autopsy report, she had 28 bruises on the front of her body and 11 bruises on the back of her body. And that's a lot of bruising for somebody who allegedly just slipped and fell into the water. So what do you think? You think that he slapped her around a little bit and the rest is history? It's always been very weird, the amount of bruises, because if you really think about it, and I'm not... I'm not a medical expert. I want to pause it back before somebody says, well, you're not a doctor. I'm aware of that. Neither of us are doctors or psychologists. We are interested in true crime. Exactly. We are just weird fans of unsolved mysteries. Um, But I mean, if you really think about it, the trajectory of her body, what could she have really had to hit? You know, I I don't necessarily know if people have looked at the way the tides run in that area, if there were a lot of rocks or something. Um, well, but, she I mean, was if you found really think about in a it, rocky area. Right. So, I mean, I, you could maybe say that that would account for certain ones. But other than that, you know, you have boats, the dinghy and the, the boat they were on, and maybe some boat oars. So, I definitely have always believed that some of those bruises had to be consistent with an altercation. And, and that was well known in their relationship that they did have these very, especially towards the end of their, of of her life, that there was violence, that there was issues with their relationship. So I definitely have always been curious about, you know, we know they were definitely drunk. Again, there might've been some more illegal substances that were going on. Um, And I definitely think that there was some, some violence and there might've been violence on both ends. Um, We'll never know, but I, I definitely think that, depending on how those bruises are applied to the body, you know, it it definitely would be consistent with, with an assault. And from what Davern has talked about, you know, it could have been uh, an altercation that started in their stateroom and then translated up into, you know, the, the top of the deck. I'd be really interested to see with bruising, consistent with like railings or anything like that you know that would be really interesting to know about and I don't I don't think we ever will because we don't have her body like I mean right they could and I think the original boat has been changed but don't quote me on that I I want to say that there have been alterations Mm. yeah do you think there is any 
way that Wagner is as innocent as he claims he is? I mean, there's definitely, what is, what is the the rule, you know, um, the, the, the easiest explanation, the simplest explanation is always the right one. Yeah. So I think it would be very simple to just say that it was an accident. Um, I do. And I think it, it, for some people who believe that, for most people who believe that, it's it's uh, has its own irony because as most people know, she, Natalie didn't was afraid of the water. She wasn't a very strong swimmer. She especially had had there's the story that's in the book Natasha the curse of dark water that she was <laughs> she was going to die in dark water. And so I feel like for people, it's not a necessarily romanticized notion, but there is that kind of poetic sadness to it that it would just be very simple for for everybody to chalk it up to she the curse came true um and i I, you know i just i can't i can't buy that i've I've tried i've tried very hard to just to believe that and it always feels like it just doesn't work for me um because of of the fact that their relationship was so rocky, of the fact that Robert Wagner did hold those resentments about her career, and that he especially held resentments about her relationship with Christopher Walken, which the allegations were that they were having uh, an affair or a relationship of some sort. And so I definitely think that it's, it was an accident, but I feel it was a tragic accident at someone else's hands, you know, probably fueled by, by drugs and alcohol. Um, but unfortunately... You know, we'll never know because I feel like the LAPD at this point is just really hoping for that Virgin Mary in the water moment where somebody, somebody is going to be seen from across the beach, you know, somebody (laughs) throwing a body overboard. And I don't, I doubt we'll ever get that. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was four people aboard that night and one of them died. One of them came forward with the story and the other two are claiming complete innocence. I'm with you. I don't think we'll ever... We'll ever get the full story of what happened that night, unless we right. get a death. And I mean, so much of it, so much of it is still so under wraps. I mean, I don't. I want to say we've never really, we've never read Christopher Walken's testimonies from the '80s up until today. Um, that that has never been revealed, so we have no idea what he even said. You know, if 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 anything there, but I believe that if there was a smoking gun in what he was had said, we would have had more movement. So right. my belief is that. He might have mentioned that he heard them argue, but that's about it. You know, he didn't see anything, and he was just following along with what he was told. So, for me, it's always when they bring up this case and Robert Wagner being a person of interest, they're just really hoping to spark someone's memory. But at this point, any fruit you get is going to be poisoned because is it somebody who genuinely knows, or is it somebody that's just heard about the case for so many years and, you know, can, can posit something. I mean, I, I think that anything at this point has just been so degenerated by time, um, that short of, you know, DNA, um, which would be really interesting because we're seeing a lot of what is it that DNA analysis solving crimes, uh, long after, you know, they've happened. Um, yeah, but I feel but like don't, exhuming, have- exhuming her body wouldn't give us any DNA because she was in the water for what six hours before exactly. they found her. Yeah, yeah. So, so even then, we don't have anything to work with there. It's it's almost the per- if it if it is a crime, it's the perfect one yeah. because there's nothing to prove or disprove. Yeah, yeah. It's so sad if this is a case of 
domestic violence. And, you know, she was afraid that the night before she spent a night in a hotel on the shore and she wanted to take a seaplane home, but they couldn't get one. And so she stayed and that was the end of it for her. So I hope for her family that they can get answers and true, true answers that help them rest at night. And I hope Robert Wagner can find peace. And I hope that Christopher Walken comes forward with anything that he feels convicted to say. And I hope Dennis Devine isn't really, lying. <laughs> it's really interesting. I think that at this point, I feel like this is almost a case that the LAPD really wants to solve more than anybody else. Because if you, if you look at her, her family, she has, she has two daughters and, you know, of course, Robert Wagner, um, they're a very close knit family, incredibly close knit. Um, and so I feel like it, you know, at this point, I, it's almost like, I think they've made peace with it and either they, you know, they believe what they believe, uh, her, her daughter with her other, um, husband, her other ex, is very close to Robert Wagner. Um, oddly enough, her daughter is in the movie that you and I are going to be talking about on my podcast, which I find very ironic. Oh, um, really? But I feel like, yeah, yeah, Natasha's, uh, it, she's in it. She's a very small role in Wonderland, but she is there. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel like, you know, they're very close. So I feel like at this point, you know, I don't necessarily think they believe that he did anything wrong. Um, and that for them, this is just, you know, stuff that pops up every, every now and then, and they have to deal with it and, you know, they just ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're not making it more difficult for them because if, you know, the more I read about it, the more I think, yeah, I I think it was a domestic dispute that escalated. And I don't think Robert realized what had happened And whether he knew that she was in the water or not, you know, like you've said, drugs and alcohol were, alcohol was definitely involved. Drugs could have been involved. You're in an altered mind state. I just, I think it was the perfect storm and very, very sad. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely don't think when, when people say, I I never say that I believe that this is like with, with intent and malice he threw her overboard. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe this is cold-blooded murder. Um, but, you know, I definitely think that there's there's more to it. And I feel like what the story that we have from everybody still feels very sanitized. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's the thing that bothers me, is that there's a little too much squeak to the clean that I, I just can't buy. Yeah, I agree. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the, we're going to call it mysterious death of Natalie Wood. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> and everybody, make sure you check out her podcast, Ticklish Business. And what's your other one? I don't have my notes in front of me. Cinema uh, Dame. Citizen Dame. Citizen Dame. Citizen Dame. Citizen Dame. Um, I will be on her show talking about um, Wonderland, the movie, and the murders. And we're going to have quite a funny story of what just happened when I went by the, by the Wonderland yes. murder house. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? Did Natalie Wood really die in a tragic accident? Or was there more to the story? Tweet me at HollywoodlandPC or email me at HollywoodlandPod at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts. Next time on Hollywoodland Unsolved. What makes a father brutally murder his wife in her sleep? 
attempt to murder his eldest daughter, and then commit suicide. Even worse, why has that house sat vacant for over five decades after these brutal attacks? This is the Los Feliz Murder House. All elements of Hollywoodland Unsolved are produced by me, with audio recording in studio location provided by A3 Artist Agency. Graphics and maps by Brian Balzarini and music by my amazing father. As always, a complete resource and reference list is available at hollywoodlandpod.com.